0: Hi, and welcome to episode 31 of the American Coin-Op Podcast, Commercial Account Strategies. I'm your host, Bruce Beggs. Our episode today will examine where laundry operators should look to grow a commercial customer base. My guest is Joel Jorgensen, Vice President of Sales for commercial laundry equipment manufacturer Continental Gerbau Inc. Joel has more than 25 years of industry experience, including expertise in vended laundry development and operations as well as on-premise, textile care, multi-housing, commercial, and industrial laundry channels. He joins me from his office in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, Joel, and welcome to the American coin Podcast.
1: Hey, Bruce. It's great to be with
0: you again. Before we talk strategy, which is kind of the whole point of this episode, before we talk strategy, let's discuss the basics behind a vended laundry taking on commercial work. So what aspects of their store should an owner assess if they're considering adding the service?
1: Yeah, from a historical perspective, Bruce, the um, commercial work coming to Laundromats, okay, laundry uh, services that are meant for public use, self-service use, is really, it's phased. One, it's typically unsolicited, um, meaning that by the perception of the passerby or the infrequent user, look at all the capacity for wash and dry many stores are approached to possibly take on some commercial work. So again, unsolicited. You know, in that case, the store owner has a a choice to say yay or nay, thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, And they'll get into that really without a whole lot of consideration. Part of what has brought that epiphany to our industry, I'd say in the last 10 to 15 years, is a lot of consolidation among Uh, bigger plants and operators buying and and buying up market share from smaller regional plants that would otherwise service these smaller accounts. What the store owner needs to assess, the list is pretty long, uh, but the fact is most existing vended stores that were built in the 90s and and 2000s, even the the late uh, teens, they're designed for passive walk-in business, self-service business. That's what they were designed for. Right. So, they really had no consideration of this commercial work when they were designed. So all of a sudden it's it's at your doorstep. And whether it was solicited or maybe it's because you're trying to fill a void, and the store owner says, "Hey, I'm ready. I've plateaued. I've got my arms around this operation. Now I want to look for other potential cash flow." Some things to consider is, and common to both, is um, some management challenges to to get their head around how, one, they would be not competing with their walk-in business. Yeah, okay Right. So, I've got my commercial account. I know what I'm processing. You got to really assess the schedule of when their soiled goods or the processed goods come in, and then when it needs to get out, so you're not really you know, biting the hand that's feeding you in self-service business and competing for those washers, those dryers, or the all-important uh, folding areas. Another right. consideration you may want to look at is aisle size. A lot of times these commercial accounts are going to come in in bulk and then they're either transferred or they're uh, somewhat sorted into bigger buggies, an eight or 12 uh, bushel buggy. Your aisles were designed for wire carts, right? not necessarily, you know, big bushel buggies. That along with the capacity of your store and really the hours of operation. And, and one of the struggles, and I've heard it on other podcasts you've, you've uh, broadcast, is a lot of stores are struggling for labor right now. This will, commercial work will, um, require you to assess hours of operation, when the customers are using it, and certainly the all important labor hour.
0: Now you've, you've touched on a lot of things that I was planning to ask questions for. I'm gonna go ahead and roll through these let's look specifically at equipment. So how might servicing commercial accounts impact a store's equipment in terms of the capacity mix, you know, the different poundages you have available, the number of machines, et cetera. How's that going to impact equipment?
1: Well, an ample number of large capacity machines is key. Um, On the washer side, it's always nice to have large capacity, high spin, you know, that performance from the self-service side means you're turning customers over faster. What it means from the commercial side is uh, hourly production in, in pounds, getting the work out. So again, depending on what makes up that, that commercial accounts volume, assess the capacities you've got and the performance of those machines. And so mentioned wide aisles, um, where you're going to process it, but that is definitely um, Uh, an important consideration. You know, answering the full equipment question really comes down to the account volume and how many accounts you've got. Load types and, uh, you know, I mentioned the processing schedule. So a case in point, you've got 10 commercial accounts. All the volume comes in on Monday morning. It's gotta be out Tuesday. Are you gonna have a log jam in that store? Can you be open for operating hours? So you really need to assess not only with your own equipment mix, but also with what that account's needs are for scheduling, whether or not you've got the capacity to do it. Another aspect to analyze is the type of process that's, that's needed. One segment of market that really has taken a, a bump from the consolidation is uh, food and beverage, restaurants, mm-hmm. even banquet halls. And so um, many times they'll be out looking for someone to process their goods and you may be able to wash it that that fatty food stains a tough uh, stain to get out in in vented equipment but part of your machine assessment is in process what cycle configuration you can you can handle and then when that load's done do I tumble dry it
0: or does it need to be ironed let's touch on staffing one more time what kind of staffing might be required Uh, let's say this is a self-service laundry that's choosing to get into commercial work uh, for the first time. And they've just got one account, uh, a small account. That's something that perhaps the laundry manager or an attendant could do. Uh, but talk about how staffing might need to be expanded based on how your commercial work expands.
1: It's how long that process, you got to receive it. You got to stage it, whether there's sorting or transfer from, from bulk or bags into, into buggies. So you got logistics there um and that labor comes in do you have to pick it up or do you have to deliver it okay again part of the consideration of labor and also to process um, but that labor can really be boiled down to the equipment mix, logistics and layout of the store and for really common loads um, you know especially small piece and i think about like athletic clubs or fitness centers so I mean, those are the type of common loads though there may be some sorting involved, it's large common bulk, and one full-time employee designated uh, to that, not being interrupted, and I say interrupted, not being pulled away by customer uh, needs on the floor, Um, they can produce 85 to say 140 pounds of of finished goods uh, per hour. But when you get into smaller piece work, a lot more sorting or even large piece, like sheets that require two people or more space, that's going to cut down in your unit and or your um, your poundage production, and with that, uh, you know the labor considerations got to be reconsidered as well.
0: You've touched on how, how a store owner or high laundry owner might approach commercial work versus trying to integrate it into the current situation, where it might even be you might even be having personnel working alongside walk-in customers only processing commercial work but then you've got other folks who completely separate the two what are your thoughts on how commercial work handling commercial work in a self-service environment should be treated
1: i guess customer space is probably even more of a focus today than ever Um, you know a lot of stores have had to you know reduce the number of customers that can be in they've taken folding tables out and Let's say the world comes back to the, to normal and you know the, the store's capacity during a, a weekday, say, yeah, I'm only at 30 or 40% of capacity, I can afford to handle this volume. Um, it's still a consideration. Are you blocking off areas of the store designating machines and, and folding areas for staff use only? It's super common, uh, but you just wanna make sure that you're, again, not treading on the self-service customer space and or machines and sometimes they have their pet space and the pet machines they want to use. All right. um, and it's just the, the way of our business. Um, but hours of operation is key. So, you know, if you've got a very busy store four days a week and commercial work needs to be done during the slower three days, um, you know, that, that certainly uh, can be handled. But be aware and cognizant of, of uh, self-service hours. And if you need to, or the volume grows, um, it may mean that that self-service space is, is opened up either before or after self-service hours, um, and that's when you process your commercial
0: work. Yeah, that'd be, I'm sure that would be a nice problem for store owners listening to this podcast to have. What's the decision to take on commercial accounts as MADE? What types of businesses make attractive prospects, or, or are they only certain businesses that are really the types you should shoot for?
1: you know, some early targets, local fitness facilities that offer, uh, you know, their guests or, or their members towels. Very common loads. It's consistent volume. You can work with them to maybe buy a little bit more uh, inventory. So it takes pressure off your processing. Um, some stores have even gotten into inventorying some of the, the clean goods for accounts. So again, space kind of comes into consideration there for storage high schools. Uh, Middle schools with athletic programs, again, towels, uh, screen printing, and other washable items that maybe are screened too, like duffel bags and and other things. Small hotels and and B&Bs. Those are kind of the traditional, let's get started in commercial work. Simple soil, light, medium soil at, at most, and it's consistent bulk volume of fairly light items. So those are some key points. Now I'm gonna get into a a rather recent, but a a booming trend, and that's the home or property rental segment. Listeners know this is Airbnbs or VRBOs or vacation rental. And what we're seeing for services growing up around that is either co-ops and or management companies that are helping to to consolidate janitorial or housekeeping services and laundry. They don't necessarily wanna do that themselves. So they're looking for uh, production, they're looking for production capacity. And so if you've got a, maybe it's a resort lake, maybe it's a, a big rental market in your area, those management companies
0: are out there. So you've identified the potential targets. Now, how does one go about acquiring their business?
1: Let's assume they've already made the considerations we talked about. and And this is unsolicited work that you started with. The biggest thing I think is getting your managerial head around what it takes to to produce high quality and outperform their expectations. Okay, it sounds cliche, but the reality is, if you do that with a few smaller accounts first, you're not gonna be uh, surprised at what's around the next corner. And with those few very satisfied accounts, those are the best mouthpieces you could do to go and solicit more volume in the commercial segment and buy segment. So references are key you know, the, the voice of your satisfied customer being in front of your service and, and marketing that service, that's where I've always seen the best success.
0: As we wrap up today's episode, Joel, do you have some parting thoughts about commercial account strategies?
1: Get in with uh, eyes wide open. You know, certainly, I, I don't want to tell you to avoid, but there are some, some problem uh, accounts that, you know, can, can really be a fatal flaw in any laundromat getting into commercial work and that bad experience sometimes puts a negative light on it and i I just want to make everybody aware that vetted machines don't necessarily have the most flexible programming sequence uh, to handle any type of stain and when i say that i'm talking about fatty stains oils um, spas or uh, massage services or chiropractic offices those are dangerous byproducts that are if they're not handled right in the wash, they can bring a, a problem in your operation because some of those combustibles can transfer into lint and or even load fires. So um, that, that's something I, I just wanna make sure that everybody is responsible in their entry to this. Not all loads and stains are, are created equally. And there really is a staged approach. And always, if the store was not built, And I'll say we are today building many laundromats with commercial designated areas. You've been in in these newer restaurants and the open kitchen concepts there. So a lot of today's stores, they've got their self-service area, and then they've got designated areas either behind glass or behind counters. And that's where they either plan for or already implement uh, designated washers, dryers, and even ironing systems to process commercial work. And it becomes a nice little spectacle and and its own in-store marketing um, with word of mouth because they saw the commercial work being done behind the counter or behind the glass. There's a lot of services that are out there. Many of your professional laundry distributors are are experienced with this. We are a share industry. We love to share good, productive, and profitable ideas. And uh, the information's out there for anybody interested in moving in that direction.
0: Joel Jorgensen is Vice President of Sales for Commercial Laundry, Equipment Manufacturer, Continental Gerbau Inc. Joel, thank you so much for being my guest on the American Coin-Op Podcast. Anytime, Bruce. Thanks much. The American coin Podcast is produced by American Trade Magazine's LLC, Chicago. Music is written by Nazar Ryback and provided by Hook Sounds. Our podcasts are available free at our website, AmericanCoinOp.com. And you can consult our weekly e-newsletter called The Wire to learn about future episodes. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about the podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. For the American coin Out Podcast, this is Bruce Beggs saying your cycle is up.